church now. Won't it be wonderful, wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear over there. Joyously singing with heart bells all ringing. Oh, won't it be wonderful there? Oh, church now, won't it be wonderful, wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear over there. Joyously singing with heart bells all ringing. Oh, won't it be wonderful there? Walking and talking with Christ up, up there. No one, won't it be wonderful there? Praising, adoring the matchless eternal one. Won't it be wonderful there? Oh, church, now, won't it be wonderful, wonderful there, having no burdens to bear over there, joyously singing with heart bells all ringing, oh, won't it be wonderful there, oh, church, now, won't it be wonderful, wonderful there, Having no burdens to bear over there, joyously singing with heart bells all ringing, oh, won't it be wonderful there? There were the tempests we never be sweeping up, won't it be wonderful there? Sure that forever the Lord will be keeping us, won't it be wonderful there? Oh, church, now, won't it be wonderful, wonderful there, having no burdens to bear over there, joyously singing with heart bells all ringing, oh, won't it be wonderful there, oh, church, now, won't it be wonderful, wonderful there, Having no burdens to bear over there, joyously singing with heart bells all ringing, oh, won't it be wonderful there? Amen. Let us know pages 574. Following our next song selection, we'll have scripture reading and prayer. Pages 574. Oh, how I love Jesus. Once again, pages 574. If all fine, let us sing together. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing his word. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth we're singing now. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. It tells me of a Savior's love who died. To set me free, it tells me of his precious blood, the sinner perfectly. We're singing now, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how 
tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe. Who is he? Sorrow has a part that none can be below. We're singing now. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. He's singing now. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first Love me. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. This morning's scripture reading will be taken from chapter 7 of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning at the fifth verse through 9. That's Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 5 through Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning verse 5, reads like this. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. For thou and the holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because ye were more in number than any people for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would Keep the oath which you have sworn unto your fathers. Have the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of the bondman from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which has kept, kept the covenant. And with mercy with them that love him and to keep his commandments to a thousand generations. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, the hearers, and doers of his holy word. Let us bow and go to our heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father. 
and our God, which are in heaven. Heavenly Father, we come with our head bowed to the earth, with thanksgiving in our heart, thanking you for so many blessings you have blessed us with. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for waking us up this morning with a reasonable portion of our health and our strength and clothing our right mind. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege to assemble together and to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the one that's here. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the one that had the desire to be here, but for some reason wasn't able to be. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for blessing us with food, clothes, shelter, transportation. We just thank thee, Heavenly Father. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, most of all, for your love, your mercy, your grace, your Son, and our Savior Jesus Christ, who freely left his home in glory, came to earth, lived, died, and were buried and rose again on the third day according to the scripture. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the blood that he shed, that he purchased the church that we are a member of. We pray, Heavenly Father, for every church to open, every person proclaiming your word this morning, Heavenly Father. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the sick and the shut-in. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will look down on them and bless them with the things, Heavenly Father, you know they stand in need of. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's crabbing. We just pray, Heavenly Father, they'll get to and from their destination safe without any hurt, harm, or danger coming to them. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's grieved at this time, that lost loved ones. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will strengthen us where we are weak and build us up, Heavenly Father, where we are torn down. And Heavenly Father, when we think, say, or do anything contrary to your word, we pray, Heavenly Father, you will forgive us and won't hold it against us at the judgment bar. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's walking in darkness. We pray, Heavenly Father, they will see the light and come to the light before it's everlasting too late. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for our delinquished members. We pray, Heavenly Father, they will come back and repent before it's everlasting too late. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones that don't know you. We just pray, Heavenly Father, that the word that, have be, that will be spoken today, we pray, Heavenly Father, we'll go tell others what they must do to be saved. We also thank thee, Heavenly Father, for bringing us out of darkness and bringing us into the marvelous light. And we also Say a special prayer for Brother Cole Pepper. He come give us the bread of life. We pray, Heavenly Father, we'll listen to those words. We'll listen for eternity. Because these will be eternal matters. He will be delivering unto us. And not only listeners and hearers of your word, Heavenly Father, but doers of your word. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, that this worship service will be done decent and in order and pleasing and acceptable in your sight and we also pray heavenly father that your will will be done here on earth as it is done in heaven and heavenly father when we don't come to the end of our journey said our last prayer and taken our last breath we just pray heavenly father we'll hear those wonderful words well done thy good and faithful servant 
Come on over and get your mansion, your robe, and your crown. All these blessings we ask in your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Church, I'm going to ask you to place your markers at pages 11 in our Sacred Selection Songbooks for the Song of Invitation. Pages 11 in our Sacred Selection Songbooks for the Song of Invitation. And for our next song selection, let us know pages 871. 871. Beautiful. Pages 871 for our next song selection. <clears throat> Fall found, let us sing together. Beautiful robe, so white, beautiful land of light, beautiful home, so bright, where there shall come no night, beautiful crown I wear. Shining and bright, oh, there, yonder in John's fair, gather us there. Beautiful road, beautiful land, beautiful home, beautiful band, beautiful crown, shining so fair, beautiful mansion bright, gather us there, yes, gather us there, beautiful thought to me, we shall forever be, thine in eternity, when from this world we're free, free from toils and care, heavenly joy to share. Let me cross over there. This is my prayer. Beautiful road, beautiful land, beautiful home, beautiful band, beautiful crown, shining so fair, beautiful mansion bright, gather us there, yes, gather us there, beautiful thing on high, over in yonder sky, thus I shall lead this shore, counting my treasures, Lord, there we shall never die, carry me by and by, never to sorrow more, heavenly soul, beautiful road, beautiful land, beautiful home, beautiful band, beautiful crown, shining so fair, beauty 
shone bright. Gather us there, yes, gather us there. Amen. Let us know pages 613. Pages 613. God is good. We're singing for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Pages 613. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Once again, pages 613. It's all fine. Let us sing together. Time is filled with swift transition. No owner can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hand, to God's unchanging hand. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hands, to God's unchanging hand. Why don't you build your hopes on things eternal? Hold to God's unchanging hand. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hand. To God's unchanging hand. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hand. To God's unchanging hand. Why don't you build your hopes on things eternal? Hold to God's unchanging hand. Trust in him who will not leave you. Whatsoever is may bring, if by earthly friends forsaken, still more closely to him cling. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hand, to God's unchanging hand. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hands, to God's unchanging hand. Why don't you build your hopes on things eternal? A hope to God's unchanging hand. When your journey is completed, if to God you have been true, fair and bright the home in glory. Your enrapture, so will view. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hand, to God's unchanging hand. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hands, to God's unchanging hand. Why don't you build your hopes on things eternal? Hold to God's unchanging hand. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hand, to God's unchanging hand. Oh, church, you got to hold to his hand, to God's unchanging hand. Now, why don't you build your hopes on things eternal? You got to hold to God's unchanging hand. Amen. Let us know pages. 
where he leads me, I will follow. Once again, pages 876. If I'll find it, i sing together. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take the cross and follow, follow. said something in a long time ago throughout the antiquities of history it has continued to reverberate and to be echoed God's word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our pathway 
and where he leads us, we will follow. Uh, David made it clear that he is led by the word of God. And so are we. Uh, for God's word is his covenant. And we know that God's word, being his covenant, contains promises. It is those promises that we continue to uh, focus upon as we uh, strive to live this life as Christians. It is that discussion that we return ourselves to this morning as we once again re-engage uh, Abraham and uh, his journey continuing to build on that foundation as we look at the significance of his relationship with God as it begins to be perpetuated through the Mosaical dispensation. For we recognize that Abraham is the beginning of God's promise uh, unto those who would have faith uh, in him. I know that sometimes we, when we are doing our reading, and especially in our um, the belief systems, the religious belief systems we've been brought up in, sometimes we are parachuted and dropped off into certain books, and we don't necessarily make the connection and string these stories together uh, as they should be. For Paul would encourage Timothy to understand that you must... Uh, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing and handling the right, or rightly setting forth the word of truth. So that tells you that there's some effort that must be made in order that we may understand God's word more perfectly. And by understanding God's word more perfectly, it means that we become more encouraged, should become more encouraged by the promises that are contained within his word. You see, I understand that you know, the world is what it is. It, it, you know, I've, I've been around over half a century now and, 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 and learned some things along the way. Hard knocks, I've been to the school of hard knocks, graduated with honors, amen. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, you come into the understanding of many things in life as God has allowed you to live. I, I just believe that Solomon had a point. Because Solomon said it is through the life of living that you have experiences. And, and you should learn from those experiences. And so I say that because, because when it comes to God's word, we should, we should understand that, that God is not slack concerning his promises. You know, as some men count slackness. I, I just believe, and, 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 and maybe it is my naivete, but I believe that God is going to fulfill his promises. And that is... If you are faithful unto death, he's going to give you a crown of life that fadeth not away. Uh, he fulfilled his promise with Adam and Eve. He fulfilled his promise with Noah. He fulfilled his promise with Abraham. He fulfilled his promise with Moses uh, and Aaron and the rest of the, uh, the tribes of Israel. And I believe that he's going to fulfill his promise with the Christian dispensation as well. Uh, God is not slack, Peter says in 3.8. God is not slack, two and three and eight. Uh, he is not slack concerning his promises. As some men count slackness, wishing none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance. And so with that, in the scripture reading that was read this morning, I, uh, we find ourselves in the book of Deuteronomy. And the book of Deuteronomy is 
is, if I, uh, if uh, if you will, a a a uh, an unfolding of the duties, if you will, the laws uh, that uh, God would give to the children of Israel. Now, remember, once again, we 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 bring these stories together, even though we're talking about Abraham in the beginning. I I'm, I'm giving you some. Uh, some scripture text that for that that helps us to understand the foreshadowing of the next uh, dispensation, the next uh, religious economy that would come, which is the day, which is, which are the days of Moses. And so, uh, the children of Israel would eventually, if you will, be brought up out of Egypt. Now we know the stories; uh, should have a familiarity at least with the stories that uh, uh, Joseph, when he was in Egypt, Joseph being one of the uh, the sons, if you will, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph was one of the sons. And uh, when, 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 when Isaac, whose name was changed to Israel, if you will, would eventually, uh, Jacob rather, whose name would eventually be changed to Israel, Jacob uh, would in fact uh, give birth to the, uh, to the 12 sons. And then those 12 sons would eventually become known as the tribes of Israel, Joseph being one of them. Joseph would be in Egypt. And then uh, it is through Joseph then that God begins to, uh, uh, begin to unfold the Hebrews, and we'll start talking about the Hebrews again and Hebrews when we get to Hebrews biblical text. But, but he so he unfolds this, and and he shows us, if you will, and and we now have the blessing of being able to look back. We say 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 hindsight is twenty twenty. We're able to look back and see how these stories connect together, and so Deuteronomy chapter seven gives us some some significant insight into into what God was planning. And how God began to unfold that plan. And he talks about something that I think is so special. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is expressly uh, uh, done in this biblical text. So that we may be able to appreciate even more who we are as children of the Most High God. As being heirs according to the promises of God. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 7, God lets the children of Israel know that, that, that there's something special about you. And, 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 and as it were, uh, that they were identified as peculiar people, special people. Peter would say unto the church, he would say unto us today, the Christians, that we too are peculiar people. We are of, if you will, uh, a royal priesthood, if you will. We are a royal priesthood, and, and, and I said this last time during, the, uh, during the, the, the sermon presentation last time, you know, when, when, when God said to Abraham and Sarah that out of you will come kings and queens, amen, I wasn't joking, God said you are the royal priesthood, amen, amen. you're the royal priesthood, and so we, 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 we are, if you will, from that good seed that God uh, continued to preserve and allowed to be nurtured and to flourish uh, throughout all these times. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, if you were beginning at verse number 5, God gives uh, these words to his chosen people. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images, cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. God talks about the, the intersection of the world with his people, with his chosen people. He talks about the, the ites, 
the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Hittites and the, and the Jebusites and the Hivites. And these are all nations uh, of the world. In this particular uh, uh, context, they're nations of the land that were idolatrous. They, they, they believed in idolatry. They didn't believe in the one true God. They believed in idolatry. Now remember, Abraham doesn't have too much to boast about himself because he also came from a family that believed in idolatry. Abraham came from the land of Ur. Amen. And this is so important because, you know, we all came from somewhere. We've come from something. Amen. And I know sometimes we come to worship and we, we want to forget about what we did in the past, and that's all right, but God knows what we did. And he knows where we came from. Amen. But the blessing is, is that now we're here, right? Now we're here, and, and, and we, we're building on our, our relationship with God. We're striving to have the right relationship with God. And, 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 and it is not because we don't remember that we were once members of the, of the Hivites and the Perishites and the Jebusites and the, and the Hittites and, and, and the Canaanites and, the, and the, uh, if we're in the Amorites. It was, it's not because we don't remember where we came from. But it's about where we're going. It's about how we have transformed and transitioned our lives. That we may, that we may find ourselves more acceptable in the beloved that is in God's relationship. But God continues to write in the book of Deuteronomy. And I, th I think it's important to, to clarify this if it wasn't so before. Moses gives us Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. God has given Moses this inspiration and has given us the first five books of the, of the biblical text. Uh, now we know that parts of Deuteronomy, the latter parts of Deuteronomy, are questionable in terms of whether or not Moses was the one who actually gave it because of Moses' passing. But with that being said, we know that, uh, if you will, that Joshua would then come along and complete the text. But with that being said, we still find Moses writing, and he's writing about how God chose a people. And he, and he chose these people not because they were many. And, and, and that, see, that's what I, I love about the Lord. Amen. A lot of people think, oh, the masses. Oh, we got to follow the masses. No, what you do is follow after truth. That's what you do. <laughs> you follow after God. Amen. Uh, uh, not the masses. But you follow after God, and, 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 when you, and when you see the blessing of this, notice that, that God says, look, I, I didn't choose you be, be because you were a lot of people. That's not, not why I chose you. That, 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 that wasn't my focus, right? That wasn't my, 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 uh, my purpose, nor was it my intent to, 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 uh, uh, for, for you to be overwhelming in number that people would say, oh, wow, since there's so many of them, that must be the way. It ain't the many that matters. is whether or not truth is there. And so he says to them, look, what I want you to do is to tear down the stuff that's false. Amen. I want you to tear down the stuff that's false. And let me tell you something. What's a blessing here is before you try to tear down the, fa the falsity of the things that are outside of you, you got to tear down the false stuff that is in you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You got to tear down your own altars first. Amen. And, 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 and then begin to, 
to do as Abraham did, as Noah did, if you will, begin to build the, the true altar of God and to, and to present the right sacrifices unto God. As Paul would tell us in Romans chapter 12, if you will, when he says, you know, uh, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may present what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But in the context of that, he said, present your bodies. As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, you see. And so we, we have to tear down the, the altars of our set, the altars that don't represent God that is within us first. And then when we build up the right altar and begin to sacrifice the good things and the, and the right things before God, then we can go outside of ourselves and try to help other people. Amen. Amen. But until we tear down our own altars... We'll have some struggles trying to help other folk. But nevertheless, he says, you got to not only destroy their altars, but you have to break down the images. Not only destroy their altars, altars are a representation of worship. Lord have mercy. It's a representation of worship. We got a lot of false worship going on. Amen. I, I might as well say amen when you can. It's still true. Even if you don't say amen, it's still true. There's a lot of false worship going on. Somebody got to tear them altars down. Let folk know what worship is really about. We see, worship ain't about having the most popular rap group come and, and, and entertain the folk. That ain't, that ain't worship. Amen. But that's what people have become. They, 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 they of the of the of the Hivites and the Perishites and the Hittites and the Canaanites and, and the Jebusites and they got their own little worship thing going on. It's a competition on who you can bring out to entertain the folk. Woo! Y'all should have been in worship today. We had so and so. There ain't no truth in it. It's just it's just it's entertainment. But somebody got to break. Somebody has to destroy that. That altar, right? You may recall that uh, during the times of, uh, of, of Rehoboam and, and, and God talked about how there would be a king that would come and, 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 and that king would, uh, if you will, destroy those, those false altars, those false worships that people had in front of them. Uh, when people recognize the, the blessing of who they are uh, as, as, as royalty, uh, we need to know we have a job. We need, our job is to destroy that which is false before God. And, and, I, and I know that um, uh, the, the, the challenge sometimes becomes overwhelming because it, it, it's, 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 it's intimidating to be the light of the world. It's intimidating to be called into such a a. a, a, a a, a, a position of, of, uh, of majesty and power. Last time we talked about where the true power of light is, and I made the analogy between lightning versus the spiritual light. Amen. You know, lightning, everybody, oh, lightning is so powerful. It ain't more powerful than the child of God who's light. Because not only can the child of God tear down some stuff, lightning can tear down stuff. Amen. But harnessed properly... Lightning can also build some stuff. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Now, lightning can deal with stuff that is material. 
Amen. Just ask Benjamin Franklin. Amen. Do you believe the stories? We get this lighting in here because of us understanding the power of electricity. Amen. So lightning can have an influence in the material world, but you know what that light cannot do? It cannot have an influence in the spiritual world. It takes a child of God who has that power of light to influence the spiritual world because the material world is going to go away. Amen. One day you won't have to worry about Southern California Edison or whoever it is that you pay your bill to. Department of Water and Power, whoever. One day you won't have to worry about these lights, but you know what light you will have to worry about? You will have to worry about your spiritual light. And only the child of God has the power to influence that light. In 1 Kings chapter 13, I was talking about the tearing down of things and destroying of things. In Deuteronomy, in 1 Kings chapter 13, I, I gave you the analogy in the story about a king who was to come, who was prophesied, who was to come, the royalty who was prophesied to come, who would tear down the things that were false. In 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And behold, there came a man out of, a, a, a man of God, oh Lord have mercy, out of Judah. Out of Judah. Now y'all do know that Jesus came from the tribe of Judah, right? Amen. See, when you tear down some stuff, you got to tear down with somebody who come from the right place. When you destroy things that are false, it can only be destroyed with that which is true. And so this person, this God, this, this, this uh, king, rather, came from the tribe of Judah, the same tribe from which there was no priest spoken of that would come from because all of the, of the tribes, I mean, the priests that came into the world were came, were, were came from, rather, Aaron's tribe, which is the tribe of Levi. But when God, if you will, began to unfold his overarching plan, which was that all will be in Christ Jesus and be saved, we can see God perpetuating his plan throughout all the generations. Judah, the man of God, came out of Judah. And by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. Remember, remember, Joab wanted to build an altar in Bethel and build an altar in Dan because it said, he said to the people, it was too far for you to go to Jerusalem. It's too hard for you to be, it's too hard for you to be a member of the Church of Christ. But we got all these other options out here for you, right? Just pick one. Just pick, out, pick either one, Right? But it's too hard for you to be a member of the Church of Christ because to be a member of the Church of Christ, you got to change and, and, and you got to become a child of light and, and you have to believe in the purpose and the promise and the power of God and, and you got to believe in this covenant and, and you got to grow and, and you don't have to do any of that over here. You can just come and do your thing. Right? You got to do all that. We make it easy over here. Right? Matter of fact, when you get through a worship, you can go to the same club with that same dance. You don't even have to change how you dress anymore. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I better stop before I get myself in trouble. But he says, look. By the word of the Lord unto Bethel and Jeroboam, who was the king, stood by the altar to burn incense. But 
the man of God was guided by the word of the Lord. Like David was guided by the word of the Lord. Like we are guided by the word of the Lord. Verse number two in 1 Kings 13 and 2, he says, And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, Oh, altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall, uh, shall he offer the priests, or put to death, the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. The man of God had to tell Jeroboam, this ain't the way you wash it. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no altar in Bethel. There's no altar in Dan that God is recognizing. Those things need to be destroyed. What you need to do is recognize that there is a God in Jerusalem. And that's where people were to go uh, to worship God. But Jeroboam said it was too hard. It was too hard for people to go and to worship God. The man of God gave a sign, and he said to, 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 to Jeroboam, he said, look, he said, this is a sign which the, the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes are upon it shall be poured out. Somebody needs to destroy some altars in their lives. Need to destroy it. And, and, and the only way you're going to destroy those altars is by letting the word of God be your guide. You see? When we tear down the altars in our minds, and, and we, need to, we need to let the word of God tear those altars down. Because see, when God tears something down, it's torn down. It's destroyed. We're back in Deuteronomy 7. So Moses goes on and he says, look. We're back in 2, 7 and 2. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, Thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou, thou shalt make no covenant with them, no show, nor show mercy unto them. When you separate yourself from the world, don't be going back there shaking hands. Don't go, don't go. When, when, when you separate your, when you come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I shall be your God and you shall be my people. God didn't say, just do it for a short time and then you can go back. No, you got to keep moving. You got to keep moving toward the Lord. You got to hold on to his covenant because that covenant is an agreement with God. And that agreement has promises. And those promises are true. So dropping back down now to verse number six as we finish, uh, verse number five as we finish with the altars. So not only did he say destroy their altars, but then he says, and then break down their images. Now, break down here, I'm, I'm going to use this, and I'm going to use this in several connotations, because see, break down here means literally, not only, not only do you destroy, not only do you destroy the idea of the worship, in other words, you've got to dissect this stuff. You have to let people know why this ain't worship. Because see, people try to make all excuses, all kinds of excuses. But God said, you got to dissect that stuff. You have to let people know why this is not worship. And then, and then you got to destroy the images. In other words, you got to let people know these images that you are creating are not real. They cannot do what, you, what you're saying that, the, uh, that, they, that, that you hope that they can do. They cannot do it. Amen. These are images that don't live. Amen. They can't hear you. Amen. They can't feel for you. 
Amen. They can't help you. Amen. But you know, people get to the point where they, they create their own worship, right? And they create their own images of that worship. And, and they fool themselves into thinking that somehow that stuff is going to help you. And God said, what you doing? That stuff can't help you. But I, that is, God says he is a God that, 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 that sits up high, looks down low, and can feel, if you will, the pain and the, and, the, and, the, and the suffering of his people. When Joshua was in Egypt and the Hebrews were in Egypt, God said he heard their cries and he sent a savior in the form of Moses, a deliverer, to get them out of there. God chose them. Not because they were many people, because he believed that amongst those people that there were those who would be faithful unto his word. Lord, have mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Moses goes down. He tells Pharaoh, who thought he was the God of the world. The true God says, let my people go. Amen. And God is still saying to the world. Let my people go. He goes on and says, look, he says, all right, so we have to we have to we have to destroy the altar and we have to break down the images. And I said I was going to use this word breakdown in two different ways. Break down. You know, when you when you're breaking something down. You have to break you have to you have to dismantle it. Right. You, you, you got to bring it down to its to its to its to its base understanding. Because and, and so I use that in the in the in the the in the the connotation of this in the uh, in the contemporary language. You know, uh, you know, what, like back in the day, young people don't use this now. They use other words. But back in the day, when I was coming up, you know, man, break it down. So break it down to the dot. Break it down. In other words, you know, make it make it understandable, right? Make it understandable. And let me tell you something. The reason why people find altars in worship, if you will, to, uh, uh, to, to, to turn their, their minds and their conscience toward is because they're empty inside. God made man a being to worship. And if you turn away from the living God, you're going to find something else to fill that chasm, that hole. Lord have mercy. You're going to find something. Because God made humanity a worshiping creature from the very beginning. So that's your breakdown. I want you to break down their images and I want you to cut down their groves. In other words, I want you to cut down everything. Not only do I want you to, 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 to identify their worship and show that it needs to be destroyed, I want you to break down the images. I want you to dismantle those images. Uh, you need to be able to understand my word to the extent where you can expose the flaws and the, and the, and the, and the, and the lies that are in these so-called images and the, and the lack of their ability to do what people want to imagine that they can do. But not only do I want, to, do I want you to do those things, I also want you to cut down their growth. In other words, cut down the stuff that's hiding them. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Cut down the groves. Expose them. Lord, have mercy. Cut down the groves. Boy, we talk about a covenant of promise here. 
cut down the groves. You got, you got to expose those things with, that are hiding the lies and, and hiding the false things and, and hiding the, the, the things that people are really worshiping. And let me tell you something. When you study God's word, that's why God's word tells you that he's not looking on the outside. God looks on the inside. Amen. His word, if you will, is like a, like a two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing of the sunder of the soul and the spirit, the, the bone and the mouth is the discerner of the very thoughts and the intents of the heart. You can't hide anything from God. And when you study God's word, it's going to cut down those groves. Amen. No, don't come over here. What? I've already been there. I got the road map. I know what's behind the groves. Amen. And my word is to cut it down so that you can see what you've been hiding. Amen. When we put up these, these images, hiding things. Got to stop hiding who you really are. You have to, you, you, you're, not, you're not hiding from the Lord. You know, the Lord knows who you are. There's an old saying that, you know, uh, you know, you can, you can, you can lie to me all you, but you can't lie to yourself. Now, you can try to fool yourself, but you can't lie to yourself because you know who you are. But I can put on, I can, I, I can, I can lie to you because I can put on this image, I can put on this, I can put on the, 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 the whole thing, and, 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 and you, and, and, and I can fool you to the point where you might, you might, you believe what it is that you see, right? But remember, Jesse was told something by the prophet. Jesse was the father of David. God don't look on the outward man. God looketh on the inward man. God looketh on the heart. So we can put up all the groves we want. God sees your altar. Amen. And God sees your worship. He sees what's built up in our hearts and our minds. And that's why the covenant of promise is so powerful. Because the covenant of promise, as Paul would tell the Corinthian church, he would say, look, he says the, 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 the word of God, if you will, is, is, is able to break down, to tear down the images that are within us. Right? We don't fight with those things that are carnal. This is not a carnal battle. This is a spiritual warfare. And only God's word has the power to tear down those images and those altars, those groves that we have placed up and built up in our lives. He says, and break down their images and cut down their groves. And, and then he says, and burn their graven images with fire. Now, you, you, you have to understand the significance of burning the images with fire. Because, see, it, it, it's one thing... <laughs> To, to dismantle the images and put the pieces in a corner. Amen. Some of y'all probably hear where I'm getting ready to go with this, right? You just put the pieces in the corner, right? You, you, you don't necessarily get rid of it. You just dismantle it and put the pieces in the corner, right? Because as soon as issues happen, what you do is you go to that corner. 
and you build up those images again. <laughs> right? Well, God says, look here. Why don't you do this? When you expose the worship that's within your heart, when you identify the images that are in your heart, when you begin to break them down and, and dismantle them, why don't you do this? Set some fire to it. Burn it out so that you can't just easily run back and put it back together. Lord have mercy. Burn it up. Burn it up into burn it up into ashes so that they're not easily recoverable. That you can't you can't you can't just go back and and and, and rebuild them and, and, and just simply uh, uh, put them back together. But you have to burn them with ashes. In Second Corinthians chapter ten, look what Paul says to the church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 1, Paul says to the church, he says, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, who is presence, who in presence am base among you, that is lowly among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you, beseech is beg, old English word, I beg you, brethren, that I may not be bold when I am present with, uh, with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. When you stop walking according to the flesh, your life becomes different. Because you based your life on the covenant of promise. Let us go on. Verse number three. For though we walk in the flesh, amen, we do not war after the flesh. Lord have mercy. We got to break some stuff down in our lives. We got to destroy some stuff in our lives. We got we to gotta, we gotta cut down the groves, amen. If nothing else, you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for yourself. So you can see who you truly are. Stop fooling yourself. Amen. Lying to me is one thing, but lying to yourself, boy, that's delusional. Amen. Verse number four, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Well, where are those strongholds? Don't, don't stop looking at me and seeing where my issues are. Look at yourself and see where your issues are. Look at your imaginations. Look at your imaginations. See what's going on in your heart. Verse number five says, casting down imaginations and even, I'm sorry, in every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Sounds like worship to me. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in readiness... To revenge all disobedience. When you're, when you're obedience, Lord have mercy. Woo! Before you start looking at everybody else's disobedience, get your obedience together. <laughs> I'm just trying to hope it's here. 
Because this covenant of promise is made for those that, 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 that God has blessed us and has chosen us. God didn't have to have you. Look, we all came from somewhere. We all were out there in those streets with the rest of the Hivites and the Perishites and the Girgashites. We were all out there in the world. We all loved the world. We were all doing those things. But one day when the word of God came to us, we made a choice. It didn't make us better than anybody else. We made a choice. And when we remember that, it helps us to relate to those who are still struggling. But we got to tear that stuff down that's in our own hearts before we can reach out to help somebody else. He says, in bringing into captivity everything and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience, you can, you can have in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do ye... Look on things after the outward appearance. If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ's, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ's, even so are we Christ's. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, this is Paul challenging those who would challenge the authority of Christ. They're those who wanted to hold on to the law. They want to hold on to Judaism. They want to hold on to those worldly things. And they wanted to question whether or not Christ was right. How do y'all know Christ is right? How do you know there's a heaven and hell? How do you know there's only one church? Well, guess what? I'll follow after what the word of God says. And I'll let you keep questioning whether or not God's word is true. But I'm going to do what the Lord says. I'm going to let God be true and every man alive. And when you start explaining to me, if you will, and, 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 and don't, don't, don't start with what God has created. Start with nothing and then start explaining to me where the world came from. Don't start talking about where it evolved out of material matter. I want to know where the material matter came from. That's what you tell me. Now, when you get to start explaining that, then we can start saying, well, maybe there isn't no, maybe there's not, maybe there is no God. But until you can get there, I'm going to believe that there's a God. Amen. I, I'm going to believe that there's a God. I'm going to believe what he said to the Hebrews when he says that, that, uh, 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 that they had great faith when, when they believed that the world was created by God. That's why the elders received a great report, a good report, because they believed that the world was created by God. I think I'm going to hold on to that good report. That's what I think I'm going to do. He says that when you challenge the authority of God, you're going to find yourself facing destruction. For though I should boast somewhat more, 2 Corinthians 10 and 8, for, I, the, for though I should boast somewhat more of, the, of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification, and not for your edification, I should not be ashamed. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the Lord has given us for edification and, and not for your destruction. Uh, I should not be ashamed. God doesn't want to destroy anybody, but he wants us all to be edified. The challenge is, is that people don't want truth. They don't want the word of God. And, 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 and sometimes in, in, in sharing the covenant of promise, it can become difficult uh, in, that, in, that, in that aspiration 
uh, to achieve those goals. But, 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 but don't fret. We walk before God, right? And when we walk before God, that gives our life meaning. That gives our life meaning. Because, see, Paul understood. He, Paul understood because Paul came from the world, too. Remember, Paul is sharing something with us from a very intimate perspective. Paul says, look, I persecuted the church. I persecuted. I threw them in jail. I stood by and held the cloaks of those who stoned Stephen. I put folk in jail. Paul said, I persecuted the church. I railed against Christ, Paul tells us. But then in his life, when he was Saul, Paul came face to face with Christ. And he had to make a decision. And in the very figurative sense, as Jesus said to Paul in Acts chapter 8, and continue to unfold his story, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, as he unfolds all that, remember some of the wonderful things we find about about uh, Paul's story is that Paul says, look, uh, Acts 7 and 8 and 9, he, he, says, he says, look, Jesus, as Jesus stepped off into Paul's life, Jesus stepped off into our lives, and he says, Anthony, Anthony, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You see, when God's word comes to you, you can continue to fight all you want. But God letting you know that you're fighting a losing battle. Who continues to kick up against something that's hurting them? You're hurting yourself. When you're kicking against the pricks, you are hurting yourself. You're not hurting the prick. The prick is doing what it was made to do. You're hurting yourself. And when people reject God's word, when we reject the promises of God, when we reject the covenant of God, we are hurting. Our, you ain't hurting the Lord. You're hurting yourself. Thank God we walk before him, and we continue to walk before him because as God told Abraham, and, and as we see playing out in the generation of the Mosaic generation, the next generation needs to know the truth of God's word and, and know that God has promises. I wish I had time to deal with the rest of, uh, uh, of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I, I don't this morning, but you can see there where he starts talking about the letters and the weightiness of the letters and, uh, and things of that nature as he makes the comparison between God's chosen people uh, uh, and, and Judaism and the transition that was made. But let's quickly go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7 as I hurriedly segue to a close here. So we see the necessity of destroying the altars in our lives and, and, and breaking down those, those images and cutting down the groves and, and then burning them, literally burning them, destroying, bringing them to ashes, to nothingness. And, and, and that is the, the, the implication is that so you cannot just go back and just rebuild them and put them back together. But you've destroyed them, literally annihilated them, burned them to ashes. And he says, why do we do this? Why do we do this? What, 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 what is the significance of doing that, being God's chosen people? What is the significance of doing that? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse number 6, he brings it out. He brings it out so plainly and expressly. He brings it out. He says, for thou art a holy people. You are an holy people. Those 
who are following after the covenant of promise, those who are walking before God, God says we are an holy people. Thank God that we're a holy people. Because being that we are a holy people, we recognize then that we should do those things which, 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 uh, which uh, help us to continually uh, to, to, to evolve to be acceptable to God. To be in holy people. In 1 Peter chapter 1. God says you are a holy people to the children of Israel. Special. Well in 1 Peter chapter 1 God says uh, uh, much of this. In the same way. That he said to the children of Israel he says to us. When you get time, you should read all of 1 Peter. But for the sake of discussion, I'm going to drop down to 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, and and I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to skip some spaces here, but some passages here. But, but, but I think that you can hold on. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 2. Paul calls us the elect. According to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification, that is to be set apart of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. He drops down, if you will, to verse number five. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse number six. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. You see, seasons, life is full of seasons. Solomon will tell us that life is full of seasons. In the Ecclesiastes, the book of the preacher, Solomon would say to everything there is a season. Our lives go through seasons. And those seasons have a beginning, those seasons have an end, but nevertheless there's still a season. And let me tell you something, in everybody's life, in any child of God's life, there are seasons. There are seasons when everything seems to be going all right, and we, we find joy in those seasons. But then there are the seasons when things seem to be upside down, the world is upside down, and we're fighting with the, with the calamities and the challenges of life, and we, we, we're struggling through things, whatever that season may be in your life. But remember, it's just a season. It's just a season. But when you're part of the covenant of promise, you hold on to the promise. I might be going through this stuff, but it's just a season. Because the promise is still ahead of me. He goes on and says, verse number 7. In 1 Peter 1 and 7, that the trial, the testing, that the trial of your faith being more precious than gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Just like you burned up those images when you threw them in the corner and put some fire to them. Let me tell you something. It ain't the only thing that's burning. Your life is burning. Lord have mercy. It's being tried, tested with fire. The life that we live through, these challenges that we're going through, don't think that there's some type of anomaly. Somehow these things only happen to you. Every child of God, if God blesses us to make it into heaven, we're going to have a story to tell Amen. about how our lives were tried with fire. 
Lord tests it with fire. And that fire is not the literal fire. It's dealing with the spiritual issues of life that we have to struggle through every day. That the trial of your faith, see, the trial of your faith, the testing of your faith. Where is your faith grounded? Romans 10 and 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by, by the word of God. You don't think this pandemic is a fire? This pandemic is a spiritual fire. And a lot of people are getting consumed by it. But those who hold on to the covenant of promise, they will find their faith on the other side. The trial of your faith be more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. What did you do during the pandemic? Lord, I held on to your covenant. Lord, that's a testimony. You stand before God. As 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, when we stand before God and we have to give an account of the things that we've done in this body, whether it be good or evil, let me tell you something. When you can stand before God and say, God, I know that the world was being tried by the pandemic and, and our faith was being tested to see whether or not we should worship you or not worship you and cre create other altars or not create other altars or, or tear down those things that were causing us to turn away from you and to build up other things that we thought would help us out when we talked to them and weren't really doing anything, instead of talking to those altars, ought to be praying to the Lord. That's what we should have been doing. But those who have been living lives and faithfulness according to God, God is going to hear those things on the other side of this thing, and they go, he's going to give you the praise and the honor. Because you kept giving him the praise and the honor. Our ultimate praise is to have everlasting life. Because Paul says, you know, we fight this good fight. We, we finish our course. We keep the faith. Second Timothy 4. And, and when we finish that, we have a crown of righteousness. The Lord, the righteous judge, will give us in that day. Not only to, uh, to him, but all, also unto all those who love his appearing. Let me go on and finish this. In first Peter, so in 1 Peter 1 and 7, he says, look, that the trial of your faith being more precious than of gold, that that of gold per that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Verse number eight: Whom having not seen, ye love; in whom though not, uh, not now ye have not, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving. The end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Dropping down. In verse number 13. You know what? I'm going to drop down to verse number 12. Unto whom it was revealed. That not unto themselves, but also unto us, did uh, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you. With the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desired to look into. Wherefore, gird up your loins. Lord, have mercy. Gird up your loins. Lord, we're being tried down here. Stand up. Gird up your loins. I'm going through a lot of challenges. 
Gird up your loins. The promise is still ahead of you. Gird up your loins. And then he says, look, and not only gird, gird up your loins, put your clothes on. Amen. Put your clothes on. Gird up your loins. He says, look, not only do you gird up your loins, but look what he says. Be sober. Get your mind right. Amen. The promise is still ahead of you. Be sober and, and, and hope, Lord have mercy, to the end. For the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Don't go back to the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Parashites, and the Canaanites. Gird up your loins. Get your mind together. Everybody suffers. This is not an unusual thing. This is no anomaly. We all suffer at different seasons in our lives. If you happen to be going through a joyful season in your life, share that joy with somebody else who's suffering. So they can reciprocate. When they're going through a joyous season in their life and you suffering. That's why we help one another. Encourage one another. But we got to gird up our minds. We got to hope until the end for the grace that is going to come in the, in the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not going back to the world. Well, we got to find some. We got to find another way to worship because, you know, we can't worship this way because that way God, as if God didn't know what he was doing. So start questioning the Lord. The children of Israel started questioning the Lord. That's why Paul, that's why God gave them. Look. After Abraham came the Mosaic Dispensation. In the Mosaic Dispensation, God had to give them tablets of stone. He didn't walk and talk the way he was with Abraham exclusively and, 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 and blessing Abraham in the way that he was doing. Moses had, he had, he said, Moses, look, I need you to come up to Mount Sinai. I'm going to give you some stones. I'm going to give you ten commandments, the Decalogue, even though there are many more commandments than what's on the, in, the, in those stones. But nevertheless, let's start here. And look what they did. Look what they did. Moses was up at Mount Sinai and Aaron was down in the valley building an altar. Building an altar. Moses taking too long. Won't have time. And what did they say? What did they say when they built that golden calf? Moses came down there. What are you doing? What are you doing? Well, you know, gold just jumped into the fire and came out of calf. They went around and got all these pieces. All you with me. All these pieces in the corner. All these pieces in the corner. And built them a golden calf. And then turned to that calf and said, this is the God that brought you up out of Egypt. Lord have mercy. This is what they said. They forgot about the covenant of promise. If you keep my commandments. God said, I will be your God and you shall be my people. Because, see, let me tell you something. I didn't see that golden calf when Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to let you go. 
But I did see the Lord begin to turn the river into blood. I did see the Lord send the plagues of the frogs and the plagues of the locusts. I did see the Lord do that. I saw the Lord say to, uh, 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 to Moses to tell the people to shed the blood of the innocent and place it on the doorpost and tell the people that when the death angel or the angel of death comes, that if they don't have the blood on the doorpost, and if you were of a family that couldn't afford one, go to your neighbor next door and be in their house. I didn't see no golden calf. I didn't see a golden calf when the Pharaoh finally let them go and they got to the cusp of the Red Sea. And that Red Sea, if you will, began to part. I didn't see no golden calf. I didn't see a golden calf when they walked across the Red Sea on drag ground. I didn't see no golden calf. This is your God that have brought you out of Egypt. When people lose their focus on the covenant of faith, they'll find something to replace it. They'll find something to replace it. Back in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 15, but as, but as he which hath called you is holy, but as he which called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. In Deuteronomy 7, Moses wrote to the children of Israel, God's chosen people. Those who walk before him, those who finally, under, those who believe in God and had a meaning of life, those who understood now the consequences of the choices that they made, those who were to be examples to the next generation, they, they understood what it meant to be holy before God because, see, that holiness began to seal their responsibility with the Lord to be holy. We didn't start off holy. Amen. God provided a way for us to become holy. You know why? Because Adam and Eve fell in the garden. We came into a world of sin. Not that we were sinful as children. We weren't born sinful, not the child. But we were born into a world of sin. And so the world influenced us. The world influenced our seed. The world influenced our good seed. The world nurtured our seed. And so from that nurturing of the world, we became worldly. But then the word of God comes into our lives and reminds us, you're not a worldly seed. You're a good seed. And let God's word nurture your seed again. So that you can bring forth that good fruit that is holy and acceptable unto God. Abraham, I mean, uh, Moses said to the children of Israel, he said, the purpose of this, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. And I'm going to strive to be holy. Because God is holy. And because he has given us a covenant of promise, I'm going to strive to walk worthy 
were worthy of those promises so that one day I could receive the end of my faith, the trial and the testing and the fire that I go through. I want to I want to receive at the end of my faith, the salvation of my soul. And if I can help somebody else on the way. To God be the glory. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Matthew 10, uh, Matthew 6 and verse number 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. God wants us to seek the kingdom of God first. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's how we become the children of God. We become heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 8, because we're now part of that kingdom. The Bible says we repent of our sins, Luke 13, 3 and 5. I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. God doesn't want anybody to perish. God wants you to come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants you to come to repentance. And he wants you to be part of that covenant of promise. He wants you to receive the crown of life that fate is not away. Luke 13, Luke, uh, uh, Acts 17 and 30, rather. God commandeth every man everywhere to repent. 2 Peter 3 and 9, 3, 8 and 9. One day with God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. God is not slack concerning his promises. Some may count slackness, wishing none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance. It's time for you to come. It's time for you to confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. Romans 10 and 9, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Going down in that watery grave of baptism where we meet the precious blood of Jesus, and by going down that watery grave of baptism, it begins our journey of transformation and change. And surely, as John would recall in the Revelations text, when he says, I saw an altar. I saw an altar, John says. Now John's in heaven, and he's been given, he's been, he's been given special insight into the beauty of heaven. But the imagery is so powerful. Because John says, I saw an altar. I saw an altar. I saw an altar. And the wonderful thing about that is, remember the altar, the altar, we're supposed to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. John says, I saw an altar. And the angel said unto him, John, who are these under this altar? John says, I don't know who they are. You know. And the angel says, these are they. These are they that have come out of much trial and tribulation. I saw an altar. And I saw the individuals who presented their bodies as living sacrifices and holy and acceptable unto God. John says, I saw an altar. And guess what? The number of them was innumerable. I don't know how many folks, I don't know how many were under there. John says, I couldn't count them all. I couldn't count them all. But I do know this. These are they that have come out of much trial and tribulation. I thought I thought I read Peter say, uh, the trial of our faith, the trial of our faith. 
is more precious than gold. That tells me that those individuals that were under that altar had their faith tried. And guess what? They made it. They made it to the end. They kept the covenant of promise. They kept the covenant of promise. That tells me we can make it. No matter what goes on in this world, we can make it. John says we can make it. Because he saw an altar. He saw those who gave the lives for the cause of Christ. John says, I saw an altar. And they came out of much trial and tribulation. And how did they begin that? Because they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Baptism is for the remission of sins. It's about washing your robes in the blood of the Lamb. It's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. But it's an answer of a good conscience toward God. And when you begin to make that answer, to create that answer in your consciousness, and you respond accordingly, God says you can walk a new life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Know ye not that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. A new creature. See, I don't have to worry about what I used to do. I focus on what I am doing and what I will do. Old things have passed away. Well, all things become new. May God bless you to come. That is the, that's the plan of salvation. That is how God extends the promise unto those who wish to come and to be part of the kingdom, part of the body of Christ, part of the church of Christ, Romans 16 and 16. And for those of us who have obeyed the gospel and somehow in our lives we, 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 we stepped out of the way. You know, that happens. That happens. Sometimes the prodigal son goes astray. Sometimes, sometimes the life issues that, that become so heavy, they begin to weigh us down and to the point where, to the point that now that the, the weight of life has us, have us uh, 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 on the ground on our back. But I thank God. That the Holy Spirit says, gird yourself. Stand on your feet. Gird yourself. Gird yourself. Stand up again. And continue to walk towards that promise that God still has before us. And that's why Paul says, I fought a good fight. Paul said, I fought a good fight. Don't, 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 don't think that Paul ain't never been down. Paul's been down. And let me tell you something, any good boxer has been down. Amen. I don't know if y'all know, we used to, we used to, yeah. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how good you are. Every champion boxer has been down. But it's not about being down. It's about getting up. Because, see, you can't become a champion if you stay down. You got to get up. You're going to get hit. You're going to get hit. You're going to get hit. But it's not about getting hit. Look, the devil's been at this a lot longer than we have. You don't think he's going to get his licks in? He's going to get his licks in? He's going to cause you to stumble? Amen. The devil know how to fight. He ain't playing. And sometimes he knocks you down. 
don't be afraid of going down. Get up. Stand on your feet. Grab your loins like a man. God is still on the throne. Promises are still in front of you. Much forward to the promise. Paul said, not that I've obtained perfection, but this one thing I do. I press forward toward the high mark, which is in Christ Jesus. It ain't about going down. It's about getting up. And every good champion that has won the fight has gotten up. So the devil may have you down in round five. Just remember, round six is coming. May God bless you. May God keep you. Let us be standing and sing the invitational song. Why don't you come? Somebody is knocking at your door. Somebody's knocking at your door. Oh, oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. He can save you, somebody's knocking at your door. He can save you, somebody's knocking at your door. Oh, oh, sinner, why don't you answer, somebody's knocking at your door. Knocks like Jesus, somebody's knocking at your door. Knocks like Jesus, somebody's knocking at your door. Oh, sinner, why don't you answer somebody's knocking at your door? Will you answer somebody? He's knocking at your door. Will you answer? Will you answer? Will you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. Oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. Amen. Let the church say amen once again. Amen. I want to thank Brother Copeland for a fine sermon this morning. Boy, we spiritually fed. Thank you, Brother Culpepper. That helped me. <laughs> it certainly helped everyone else, too. From his labors, I have several cards uh, before me. <laughs> First, I have Sister Darlene Hester, who wants prayer for her special needs. She has a statement on the back of her card. Please pray for Theodore Foster. Mm. He is battling with cancer, mm. crystal meth, I'm sorry, crystal meth, Sister Deborah Foster called me and asked me to ride to San Bernardino where they have strapped him down because he has become psychotic. Please pray for his, for Miss Dorothy and Bill Alson, my brother, again, and Gary Price, my brother. Also, I have Sister Stewart, prayers for, uh, prayer for a special needs. Sister Stewart. Good morning, church. Good uh, morning. Brother Culpepper, that message was very healing. Thank you so Amen. much. Um, church, I'm here this morning asking for prayers for myself. And, uh, oh, 
I'm to ask for prayers for my son, Jason, and his wife, Heather. They're traveling to Guyana on Tuesday, and I ask you to pray for the grace and travel grace. Thank Amen. you. Also, I have a card from Sister Susie Loring. She has a statement on the back of her card. She uh, says, I want to thank the church for your prayers, cards, and text messages during my bereavement. Sister uh, Susie Loring. These are cards from the members who are desiring prayer. Sister Wiggins, Sister Williams, Sister Chancellor. And Sister Beverly Lord uh, wants to continue to show love one to another. These are the cards that I have at this time. If you will, please bow with me as we approach our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It is in your presence we come with bowed heads and grateful hearts. Just thanking you, Father, again, for loving us more than we love ourselves and for allowing us still to be on this time side of life. Thank you, Father, for your grace, your mercy, and everything you uh, bless us to hear, see, and do. Father, we come asking prayers for all those names that I've mentioned, everyone who has come forward, Father. We're asking prayers, Father, for, the, for, their, for them and their families. We're asking prayers, Father, because we know that you have the power. We know that you will deliver. We know that you will answer with a yes or no answer. So, Father, we have all the faith in you. And we come collectively praying to you, Lord, asking for your help. Thank you, Father, again for answering our prayers. And we know that you will take care of all the problems that we have. You will see that our needs be met. You will take care of those who are hurting. And we also pray, Father, for those we don't, we don't know, those who are, uh, are hurting, those who are homeless, those who are um, struggling to live in this life. Praying for the nurses and doctors that are still fighting this pandemic, Father. And, Father, we just thank you for the vaccination that, that has been brought forward for most people. We're thankful, Father, that you're uh, helping us to see that we can trust in you. Thank you, Father, for your grace, your mercy, and your kindness. These prayers and all prayers, Father, we do ask in the name of your darling Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Church, let us know pages 324. And at this time, let us prepare our hearts and our minds for communion. Pages 324. And let's send it. My Savior bleed and my sovereign die. Would he devote that sacred head for such a one as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart rolled away, rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all 